0: Let's go. Welcome to another episode of Let's Go Hockey Podcast. I am your co-host Pete Cameron of Elevated Hockey. And in today's episode, we had a really, really special guest, Mr. Captain Canada, Patrick Marlowe. My co-host today, Danny Lee. Heath with
1: Project Hockey. And uh, yeah, there really needs to be no introduction for this guy. I I loved his little secret sauce that he has between the second and third period that makes him feel like he's 20 years old again skating skating the pond so um i i love this episode and i have
0: nothing else to say except let's get it going and let's go yeah this was it was amazing having the opportunity to talk to uh Patrick Marlowe, NHL legend over 1700 games i think we get right into it and let it, uh, let the interview speak for itself so let's
2: go let's go this interview was brought to you by our friends at HockeyWolf.com. If you love the game of hockey or just know someone who does, you need to visit HockeyWolf.com today. HockeyWolf has physical locations in Montana and Washington State, but if you aren't lucky enough to live near one of their stores, you can always visit their website and place an order at any time. They have everything you need from skates and sticks to shower slips and hoodies. And for all of you coaches and organizational leaders out there, listen up because Hockey Wolf provides some of the best team sales services in all of North America. So if your team needs new helmets, maybe some gloves, boxes of tape, even some warm up suits and training gear, Hockey Wolf has you covered. So like we always say, go support Hockey Wolf because they support us. That's H O C. K-E-Y-W-O-L-F dot com. And hey, for all of you lacrosse players out there, make sure you visit lacrossewolf.com too. All right, let's go to the interview.
1: After scoring 199 points in the WHL, he was drafted second overall into the NHL by the San Jose Sharks, debuting the next year immediately after that, and then was named team captain in 2003-2004. Let's go. Holds multiple San Jose Shark records, including all-time leaders in goal, power play goal, shorthanded, game winning. The list goes on and on and on. A three-time NHL All-Star who's also represented Team Canada in multiple gold medal championships, Let's Go! has racked up 1,188 points in over 1,700 NHL games for San Jose, Toronto, and Pittsburgh, the fifth player ever to play in over 1,700 games. Patrick Marlowe, welcome to the Let's Go! Hockey podcast. How are you doing today?
3: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Excited <laughs> about
0: this. Yeah, we're, uh, we're very excited to have you on. It's, uh, it's going to be... Uh, It'll be a good one. I know it. I know it. But uh, yeah, we appreciate coming on, but let's jump right into it. Danny hit a couple of the highlights of your career, but let's dive in. If you can give us a little uh, insight into your, your background and kind of where you, where you came up from, let's start there.
3: Yeah, so I uh, grew up on a, on a small farm uh, hours south of Swift Current in Saskatchewan uh, in Canada. So I played my most of my minor hockey just in and around uh, aneroid. Uh, Most of the time, we didn't have enough kids in one small town, so we'd have to join with another small town. So uh, Anroid and Vanguard was the name of the other team where we'd join join forces and and make a team. And um, when I got to the age of 12, I started playing in Swift Current. So it was like an hour drive from the farm to go to practice or to games. Um, Played in Swift Current for... Three, four years, and then I moved on to the to Seattle Thunderbirds. So I lived. I had to move into Swift Current when I was 14, to, and I lived with my grandma because uh, there was a rule where you could only have five out-of-town centers, so Swift Current and then, like, a radius of 60 miles. If you were in that, uh, you could go play there, but I was the only kid from Aneroid, so there's other small towns that had, like, two or three kids, so I was the odd man out I If I wanted to play, I had to move in, so... Uh, I was pretty fortunate that I could live with my grandma for a couple years there. Yeah, that seemed uh, seemed to work out
1: all right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your youth hockey. Uh, we read a little bit that you played against older players um, growing up through the ranks. Was that beneficial for you? And what would you recommend uh, to someone, like even your own kids, uh,
3: what, what they should kind of do at that age? Um, well, yeah, I did. I, my brother is exactly two years older than me, so I was able to play up and play on his team uh, a lot of the time. So that was always fun, playing with my, my brother and um, playing against better players. Uh, I think that's one of the things that you're more likely to do in a small town or where there isn't the, as, as many players or that are competitive or, or as good as in, in a big city uh, setting. So um, I, don't, I, I think if... If you're able to play up or if you're able to push yourself then maybe that's a a good thing to do but i don't think it's for probably for everybody um i think if i when i'm talking to my kids for me it's all about are you getting better don't worry about what anybody else is doing um you know what people are saying or anything like that if you're putting in the work putting in the time and as long as you get you keep consistently getting better that's that's all you can ask for
0: yeah i think uh I agree with you there because like every path, everybody's path is their own. And and obviously like one decision that's right for one player isn't necessarily the right one for, for others. And, you know, we get myself being a coach, Danny as a coach, we get asked that from a lot of our players, especially the higher end players are like, you know, should I be playing up an age level to to get better competition? And sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is no. Um, But in in your case, when you played up, you know, you, you you played against some older players there and then you were, you're on the younger end of the spectrum when you're, playing in the WHL. And then, you know, I read something about you were like the youngest player ever in the NHL, given your, your birthday versus the draft um, age. So maybe you can speak to that a little bit about throughout your early part of your career, you were always on the younger side and what you did to, um, you know, prepare for that jump against older players and, and, you know, mentally, physically, whatever that might be.
3: Yeah. uh, Yeah. My birthday is right on the cutoff date. So if I was born a day later, uh, I would have to wait another year for the draft. So like kind of like Austin, he was born on the seventeenth of September, so he was two days. Out, so he had to wait next year too. But um, yeah, as far as you know, always trying to find people to compete against and uh, playing up. I think uh, you got obviously as a player, you got to want that. You got to want to be in those situations. I remember I played up. I hadn't been in contact yet. Uh, I played up a uh, a year with my brother, and uh, you know the very first game. My dad was teaching me how to brace myself against the boards and how to take a hit, and and all these different different tactics. So uh, you know, without his help and a lot of help uh, uh, from the coaches, growing up, uh, that that step up to to contact and to hitting could you know can be scary for some kids, but uh, and it makes you move a lot faster out there, I think too. So <laughs> they don't get hit, um, but that, yeah. they were very very helpful in in, in doing that.
1: I got so I got to skate back when I was still playing. Uh, I so I grew up in Phoenix. Um, so I actually grew up uh, not enjoying you as a hockey player because you would always beat my Coyotes. But um, <laughs> as as I as I got older, I got to uh, skate in the summer. Some of the Coyotes would kind of stick around, and so I got to spend some time with Shane Doan. Um, and I would always just try to pick his brain and, and see what he was doing. And uh, I can remember one time we we're sitting on the bench. Um, and just asked him like, "Hey, like, who are the guys in the NHL that are that are unbelievable leaders?" And he mentioned Nick Lindstrom, and then he talked about you a lot. And so you've you've worn the C in the NHL for years and years and years. You were an assistant captain, and um, I'm sure you're a leader in the locker room that you're at right now, at Pittsburgh. Uh, what's that been like? And and what are some of the things that you do, or or you see other captains doing that that is the reason why you're you're so established in the in the National Hockey League?
3: Well, yeah. When I came in uh, to the league, I had some really great mentors. I think, uh, I think pretty much most of the team when I came in was uh, early 30s or late 20s, and um, they were all like well-established NHL players and, and great leaders. And what, the biggest thing I learned from a lot of them was uh, just to put in the work. Um, you know, be very professional about it. When you're at the rink, you're there to work. You're the you know have a good time, but. Work, work comes first, and that was one of the, the key things. And um, one of the one teammate I had well, closer to becoming captain was Adam Graves. And uh, some of the advice he gave to me, we he lived by me, so we'd be carpooling all the time, talking about you know different things, this and that. And he said, you know, he saw it before I did. He goes, no, one day you're you're going to be captain. So he goes, and when that when that happens, he said he, he said, don't change a thing. Just be who you are. Put in the work. Uh, lead by example, and you know, speak up when 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 you have to. But he goes, just don't. He said, don't change a thing. So, um, having him tell me that early on in my career, you know, I kind of <laughs> blew him off, like, hey, he did, you know, what's this guy? Now? <laughs> He's trying blowing hot air. But uh, you know, those words have stuck with me over the years, and uh, that's what I look for for other players that are that are leaders in, in the locker room. You know what? You know what are they doing on the ice? What do they do? You know, talk talks one thing, but if you're backing it up on the ice, then by your actions, even off the ice in the weight room, things like that, that that holds a lot more weight than than just somebody who gets up and does the rah rah talking. But somebody who actually goes talks and then goes out and backs it up.
0: Yeah, I think um, you know, obviously, there's lots of different types of leaders, but ultimately, exactly what you're touching on is such a, a huge key. And I mean, that's of a lot of interest to me. Is that is that someone that's had uh, the success that you've had? Um, and hearing you say that he's just putting in the work and, you know, the level of consistency you've had across your career. And um, yeah, maybe we can talk about that a little bit more about, um, you know, like in those opportunities you mentioned Adam Graves and, and the opportunities to be in some of the other locker rooms and, and throughout your careers, maybe when you weren't necessarily wearing a C um, some of the other players that, that, that were leaders around you as well. And, and some, some of the takeaways that you you took from them throughout your career.
3: Yeah. Yeah there was no shortage of, of great leaders. I uh, played with Mike Ricci. He was, you know, obviously everybody knows that, how hard he worked. How he, you know, always blood or sweat, blood and sweat. <laughs> who knows what else was on his jersey every game in and game out. Uh, who else was there? I mean, uh, I, had, I lived with Kelly Rudy my first year, which was huge for me. Um, uh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to my first year, so i was gonna really date myself. Todd Gill was our captain, Murray Craven, Tony Granato, Gary Suter, uh, Billy Holder, Doug Bodger. Um, you know, Owen Nolan was on the team. Uh, yeah, I mean, all these these great players. Uh, I learned a lot from them, but also being uh, going to like a team Canada where you know Scotty Niedemeyer was was the captain. You know, heading into overtime after the u.s tied it up in the gold medal game you know just the the calming presence he had in the locker room right before that that next overtime just you know n- knowing that we were all in it together we couldn't change anything that just happened you know giving up a goal late it was uh we were still in control of you know our destiny destiny if uh just stuck with it and you know that was a very calming presence at that time
0: yeah it's interesting to hear that the calming calming presence in the locker room i like i like hearing that the um that kind of leads me into my next question about that, whether it's necessarily the, the leaders or, or the teams you've been involved with throughout your career and, and kind of what some of the different, different locker room dynamics are with those team cultures. Some of the ones are a little bit, uh, you know, there's lots of different variations out there. There's lots of different personalities and how they all click. And, and, you know, over the course of your career, whether it's on Team Canada or in the NHL, like if you could touch on some of the teams that have been maybe a little more successful than the others and kind of what set them apart from a team culture standpoint
3: yeah i think here uh in san jose i think when things started to really turn around for the franchise were obviously when we got uh joe thornton um but then uh you know bringing in uh todd mcclellan after he just came from detroit and they'd been winning there he he came in with his coaching staff and you know he set he set the foundation he set the bar he set the everything for us and uh you know, we had at that time we were, you know, a really good team. We had really good players, and I think he just took us to another level. And everybody bought in, and I think that was the biggest thing. Um, you got to have everybody on the same page, uh, willing to pull on the same rope, uh, do play the system to a T. Um, and that group that we had, obviously uh, myself, uh, Jumbo Joe, who everybody knows, it loves the, you mm-hmm. know, um, loves to have a good time, loves the. the to be around the guys, but I think a, a lot of things get missed when people say like he loves to have a good time. But when it comes yeah. when that puck drops, it's he's all business. Um, sure, there's moments for for some some fun during games, this and that. But he he don't you know don't take that the wrong way. He wants to win you know, with with everything he's got. So um, yeah, those teams were just fun. I mean, we getting that winning mentality we would go into games just knowing we were we were going to win or we're just there was a good chance that uh you know if we're late in the game you know things are going to go our way and um and being able to play alongside uh you know joe for a number of years it was great for me because i knew i was going to get two or three good looks at a empty net or (laughs) or (laughs) um it was just fun being being on on teams that know how to play the right way you know you're coming to the rink you know you're gonna put in a good effort you know everybody you know your teammates are gonna put in, you don't have to you don't have to come to the rink thinking oh my god i wonder if we're gonna win the night or this or that it's it's you know everybody's gonna work their butts off and gonna give yourself a good chance of winning for sure and i think
1: he just shaved his beard off right so maybe he's gearing up to to grow another one out but no. um yeah, that's awesome the way you talk about him. Can we, let's let's jump in a little bit about uh the idea of being traded and I know um whether like I'm sure when you're more established in the league you have a little bit more say in where you're going and stuff like that and but what what's that like just moving um and I, I know when I and it's obviously not on the level of the NHL but I got traded around uh, from a team in the USHL and I was bummed about it and I remember it being a tough time to to go from one locker room to the other and then uh, one of my old coaches called me and said, quit crying. You just got 22 new friends in the hockey world. Like, congratulations. And so that, that helped me out a lot. Is there, is there anything like that or advice for, for our listeners that are playing in the junior leagues that, you know, get called a suitcase because they played for a different team every year. And just that kind of, that kind of feeling and vibe.
3: Yeah. That's a, that's a great way of putting it. You know, you just <laughs> gain 22 new friends. Um, right. And I think another thing a lot of people are miss when you do get traded. It's a, a, a team wants you. And they want you for a reason. They're bringing you in to to do something um, for the for their club. Uh, they see value in you. And um, yeah, I, for me, I was a, able to be kind of on the ends of knowing what you know what may transpire, what may not. So. All right um that's still sometimes that doesn't even make that doesn't make it that much more e- uh, much easier but uh, i think you you can you know sometimes better than being completely blindsided so um but sure. but then i think after going through it now you you get to understand what other players are coming to your team feel or what their families are going through and uh you get a whole new for me you get a whole new respect what you know what what guys go through what families go through and um you take take those little things for granted, like just uh going to a new spot and like going to a grocery store getting a place to live this and that you know there's there's a lot that's going on away from the rink that the uh, players and their families are going through and um you know you'll get through it and all that but it's it's a it's a good experience to to be able to relate to players that that are traded or are coming to your club or going to a different club, yeah. For sure. Um, let's
1: switch, switch gears a little bit. You, you talked about uh, Scotty Niedemeyer and just uh, how, how smooth he is. And uh, obviously, he's one of the best skaters to ever play. And a lot of training obviously goes into that and, and the way that is. And I, I would put you in the same class of just a dynamic skater who can get up and down the ice um, with ease. And sometimes you make it look way too easy, which is um, it's, it's awesome to watch. Well, what goes into that like let's talk about some training routines like in the season what that might look like for you from a week to week or a day-to-day basis and then obviously out of season and um how either that's changed from when you first started to to now preparing to play in the nhl
3: yeah for sure um well I, i've you know coming from a small town um uh, it was every you know making the nhl is pretty much a long shot as it is so i uh I was always looking for maybe like an advantage of what, what can I do uh, that, that might help me in, in further on down the line. I think uh, working out was probably one of those things. I I was just, when I came in, I was kind of, it was probably the starting of guys working out in the summers more than what, what they would. I think when I came in, uh, a lot of guys would come in just to training camp and that, that would be their summer workout or like get it. That's yeah. how they get into shape. So, um, and then slowly, as you could see, people that would come to camp in really good shape, they'd be taking jobs of guys who didn't, you know, put in the work. But that's a long time ago. Now, nowadays, everybody's putting in, you know, getting their, their reps in, I would, I would think. And uh, teams are doing a lot better job of uh, bringing guys in during the offseason and having, like, mini camps and uh, showing these younger guys how to – the proper texni- techniques of lifting. And uh, so right now, uh, I've been working with uh, the Sharks strength and conditioning coach for a number of years. And uh, I stick around here in in the summer in San Jose, so I get to work out with with him or he'll give me the program if I can't meet up with him. um, But for me, it's always been about uh, trying to to keep that explosiveness. Uh, Plyometrics is huge for me. Uh, it was huge for me at a young age because on the farm I didn't have a weight room or anything like that so I'd be (laughs) I'd uh my (laughs) I'd pull uh pulled harrows so I don't know if you guys know what harrows are Uh, I had like a six foot by four foot uh steel rods with lines and they have uh spikes that go into the ground so I me and my brother we tie a rope to the one end and put it around ourselves and we do sprints with it and um, I think I got it from the rock from watching Rocky or something like that where he's pulling right
0: <laughs> pulling logs through the woods.
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, my brother uh, growing up, he welded a net for us. We didn't have a net. So he welded a net together with uh, uh square piping, square, uh, square tubing, I should say um, shooting off of uh, like a tin, some piece of tin that was somewhat slippery Um so we we ended up breaking uh, most of our. Uh, my dad had a shelter up for the cattle with the slat fences, but pretty pretty soon pucks were just going through because there was no slat fence there anymore.
0: <laughs>
3: but uh, just yeah, just over the years, I think. Awesome. Over the years, it's always been about uh, trying to find a balance. Some years you just you're trying to work on something, or you have an injury you're trying to rehab. Um, but if you're, you're going to play for a long time, you got to try and switch things up and not keep doing the same exercises over and over again. So, um, for sure. But, but for me, it's it's trying to get as powerful and lean and as fast as I can in the summer and, and try and hang on to that throughout the season. And going into the season now, teams are really good about having team workouts. Uh, you know, before games, after games, they're always monitoring uh, like your practice. They keep heart rate monitors on you to, to let you know if uh, it's time to, you know, throttle back a little bit in the workouts or it's a good day to, you know, get a good workout in. You got a rest day the next day or a lighter day the next day. So things have definitely evolved since uh, since I first came in, but uh, everything's starting to get more more and more dialed in and got, and athletes are starting to know their bodies a lot better.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of what it appeared, you know, from the outside looking into the league that, that it, it's kind of obvious the level of sophistication and science and business behind the training nowadays. And that's why, you know, I appreciate the, uh, the insight into the, the farm training stories. Cause yeah. you think about like, uh, as soon as you are saying that, it, it reminds me of like uh, you know, like a making the most out of what you have for the players listening out there is, you know, there's every tool under, under the sun you can buy. Um, but that, you know, when it really comes down to it, it's just putting in the hard work with, with the resources that you have in order to, to compete. And I think that, I mean, that was the, the, as soon as you started talking about that, I was like, you know, there's so many training aids out there and and they're great, but the reality is is, is that not every kid can or should be using all those. And if you don't have them, that's okay. There's still so many ways to train and get better. Um, I know that's a big piece of what Danny does um, in hockey is letting kids train with just a stick and a puck and a, you know, in a, in a, in a, ball and, and ways to get better with, with body weight exercises. And so I think that's a huge takeaway for players.
3: Well, yeah, and especially right now during what we're going through right now, a lot of people can't get to, you know, their, their trainers or their, their gyms, They're, they're they got to find different ways to, to exercise and to, to keep their game up to, to par at home with what they got. So it's, it's actually pretty funny. I, I was going through uh, my closet and I found the book, I had a Paul Coffee uh book that was uh they handed out at like uh, convenience stores and in there it had a bunch of exercises and and things you could do to get better some drills and that and uh that's that's what i used for a long time and um my dad actually i said i wanted weights i wanted weights he goes just go do body weights do this do that you know he didn't he didn't think i needed the weights he didn't want me to bulk up too young but i think things are a little bit changing now uh, as far as weights, when you're a little bit earlier, and I think there's a place for that, but you got to be supervised and do doing things the right way. So, but uh, yeah, it's bringing back lots of memories.
0: That's awesome. The, the Paul Coffee Secrets of Success uh, training book from the grocery store, huh? <laughs> that's we gotta that's get. It. We gotta get that's that book. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, you know, you mentioned another thing about having to, uh, you know throughout your career and time, like adapting to some of the newer techniques um, and keeping up with some of the pace. And, you know, it's, you know, for fans around, around the league, it's real obvious that you have a special relationship with some of the younger um, superstar players in the league like, like Austin Matthews and and Mitch Marner. And, um, you know, I think obviously there's, there's a reason that there's a lot that, that those younger players are able to, to learn from from experienced players like yourself. What about like fl- flipping it the other way around any takeaways you had, whether it's from a training level or, or like what these guys are doing that is, is different than, than like what you did when you came in at their age.
3: Yeah, definitely is. I think, uh, I actually, I've, I've gone and done skills comp skills stuff with both of them. Uh, and just some of the stuff that they can do that they've been doing for years is pretty amazing. And I think, you got to keep pushing yourself like I said earlier so even now I go out with them and uh, they're doing all these different drills they're they're on this edge that edge you know they're spinning around especially Mitch he's so good on his and his skates, so is awesome. but the uh, when I went with when I went out with Mitch he was doing these certain strides down the ice with his with his uh with his trainer and you know I it took me a while to get it you know he <laughs> but you're getting you're getting out of your comfort zone you may not use it you may use it but at least you're you're working on something new you're working on your brain you're working on your your legs and um, and it's it's not the same thing you've been doing all these years so it's it's exciting and new so it makes it uh, you know keeps you hungry and then you see these guys come in and they're flying around they're killing like nobody's business and uh, you know like you I, for me I'm like well you know how are these guys you know how are they doing it? What do they do? And just to get to talk to them and pick their brain, you know, they're, they're growing up different than what I did. I'm, I was stuck in a barn. They were probably stuck. They were, you know, had trainers and, and things like that or, right. had, or had somebody helping them out. And there's more, obviously, and there's more information available now than there was before. So they're, you know, they're doing homework. They're looking for new drills to do at home or, or on the ice. And um, so just always trying to, you know, yeah. try to keep it fun.
1: For sure, and I, so a lot of coaches will ask me, like, why did you do all that crazy edge work with those kids? And like, same idea, like, I'm a, I'm a firm believer if like, if you challenge your balance, then your feet have to find your edges and that's going to make you a better hockey player. And like you said, you might not always do whatever Marner was doing up and down the ice that like you might not do that in a game, but the stronger you are in the edgers, edges, the better the hockey player you're going to be. And I, I think you're right. Uh, I think there's advantages of growing up in a barn uh, versus, uh, like a high, high intense training facility. But, uh, for sure growing up, uh, like you said, being supervised is going to help you just develop skills a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, but I I don't know if it had to do with the barn or what, but you're, you're Mr. Consistent when you talk about NHL hockey players and the idea that you played 624 games for the Sharks, which is a, a consecutive games for the Sharks, which is a team record. And like, that's more than guys careers. And so what, what do you credit to that consistency and that type of, uh, like what is that preparation? Is that rest? Is that mindset?
3: Uh, I probably, a lot of it, all, all kind of mixed in the one, the balance of everything. Um, you know, you don't get to, to play that many games without a heck of a, a ton of support, whether that be from your family, um, from the training staff. I know uh, my strength coach, the the medical medical uh, personnel we have uh, on all the teams has been great uh here in the sharks and then you know you gotta take care of your body you, gotta, you it sounds sounds silly sometimes but yeah go get a massage you you need your body needs that needs to recover um yeah. I've, I've been able to find like a good Cairo. i've i've found like a good deep tissue guy um And then usually when you talk with those guys, they tell you like, Hey, if you can't get to a Cairo or you can't get to a deep tissue guy, this is some exercises you can do on your own. So you, you know, you're, you're just enhancing your chances of keeping yourself, you know, ready to play and being able to do that. And obviously I'm sure there's a few times where I probably shouldn't have scrapped them on, maybe two seconds, but, uh, you know, find a way to get, get through it. And, um, that's hockey. Yeah.
0: I love it. Battling through. Uh, well, let's let's switch gears here a little bit into uh, into coaching. You know, I, I'm a coach. Danny's a coach. Um, that's part of the, the audience of who listens to us. And if you look back on some of your career, whether it's youth hockey or, or major juniors or in the NHL or, or international competition, are there? Can you point to any any significant coaches that that made a real positive impact in your career and maybe how that um, how that helped helped with your path.
3: Yeah, I have, uh, well, obviously, my dad was, you know, first and foremost, my, my coach, but uh, and, you know, all the everything that he did for me, obviously, helped me get to where I was today, or, or where I am today, um, but I, uh, he had a, he had an assistant coach, uh, my, when I was, uh, Adam was 11 and under back then, they always keep switching, the now that my kids are going through it, the, I don't know, birth years, and this and that, and that was just, uh. yeah, so I was Adam, I was 11, 10 and 11 and uh, coach's name was Scott Fraser and he just made the game fun uh, he, and he was always, you know, I was one of the better players, one of the, you know, fastest kids and, and things like that. But he took the time to challenge me, you know, uh, whether it be in a game, he you know, what could you done different here or, you know, in practice, he'd be harder harder on me or or things like that but he it was always with a smile on his face he always had this great passion for the game loved hockey and uh it was just fun being around him and uh i love it. he still he comes to to watch me play in calgary now and uh i just love you know seeing him again it's it's uh, brings me back to when i was 11 10 or 11 and some of the you know some good memories back then and uh yeah. um He was definitely one of the one of the coaches that I I still remember, and there there was a lot more that uh, that also helped me out throughout my career. I'm sure I'm sure there's
1: a ton, and I I I, we've had a lot of guys on this podcast and girls on this podcast, and um, I think the idea of just like that type of impact that a coach had on you at such a young age literally fueled you for a lifetime of hockey. And I think it was Lindsay Fry um, we had on here. She's a US Olympic hockey player. And she just talked about uh, the job of a youth hockey coach is to make sure 100% of your players play the next year. Like, that's what a youth hockey coach should do. And I was like, that's the best advice I've ever heard from anybody. Ever and so, I, I love that idea. Now, I mean, you've taken on some responsibility as being a coach now, just with your your kids recently. Is that is that something that um, you do just because you're in hockey, or I mean, is it something you're going to continue to do? And what's that what's that all looking like?
3: Uh, I I, li- I like it. I think uh, it brings out a new uh, new twist to the hockey world for me. I think one of the first time <laughs> I was coaching. I uh, was coaching my oldest son at, in, in in Phoenix in a tournament after one of our seasons. And, uh, you know, from from running the door, trying to make sure all the kids get the same amount of ice time to try, you know, yell and try and get them off. And <laughs> But the biggest part I found is, like, you don't really have that much control as a coach. You just you put them out there. You try and tell them different things. But the biggest part is I wanted all the kids to do so good when they got on that ice. You know, you just feel that. That energy for them you feel that you feel that you just want them to have success and I think that was that was probably one of the coolest things that, that I get from uh and I just love being around my boys just uh you know being there for them if they have any questions or even for the other kids and um, if I can you know having gone through coaches that I have gone through, you you're gonna remember you know a thing or two from each of them so I'm just trying to give them the you know one or two things that uh, that they can take and, and build off of
0: that's great yeah I um now how many how many are all four of your sons playing now or is it just the older ones
3: Uh yeah mainly the older ones but my 5 year old will probably start next year and he he's the he's usually the hockey crazy one right now I have to go <laughs> sh- have to go shoot with them or shoot on them all the time so it uh, the f- four of them they get down there and they'll play mini sticks for hours so it's pretty fun
0: Very cool yeah I've got my uh, my oldest boy is 5 as well so he's going to be starting hockey next year kind of in the same boat and um you know that's where for me coaching, uh, you know, I, I'm currently coaching a college team and, and, and so making that switch, I'm, I'm anticipating in the next couple of seasons from coaching, you know, men at the college level to coaching, uh, you know, atoms or termites, you know, the, the six U and eight U it's going to be a total mind, mind bend for me and total mind shift, which I can only matter. Like it's only magnified being coming from the sharks locker room to the junior sharks might program, right. It's gotta be a, uh, a big change, but, Maybe if you can, I mean, you kind of already mentioned it, but I, I wanted to see like kind of what you, you talk about, whether it's with your sons individually or, or with the team collectively, like some of the major takeaways when you're the coach um, that you've taken away. You know, we, we touched on the fun and, and that, but like um, if there's any, you know, from the game, like things that you really want your your teams to focus on um, in, in training and practice um, to help them develop as a young hockey player.
3: Yeah, I think – I always find myself talking to my boys or even mostly my, my oldest one right now because he's really into it and, and wants to continue on. Is, uh, I'll be giving him advice, and I'm like, hey, that's good advice. I should take, <laughs> I should take it too. <laughs> but uh, I think I, I might have said it a little bit earlier. I just, in practice, I want them, even if it's a drill they've done 100 times, to, to do it the best that they can uh, to get better to get better at it, uh, to get better somehow, in, especially in practice. and then. You know, when you put in the work and practice, games are where you just let it flow. You let it, you go out, go out there, have fun um, within your team structure. Obviously, the little kids, they're they're all over the place. They're they're having fun, and you try and teach them their positions uh, when they're younger. But the, the older one, I, I want him to. I tell him that he, had, you know, you put your best foot forward on that day. You got to be able to look at yourself in the mirror after and say, "Hey, did I did I give it my all today? Did I give myself a best my the best chance to be recognized or to be, uh, helpful to the team. And, uh, for me that I think that what that all comes down to is putting in the work, putting in that, that effort, uh, for your, for yourself, but also for your team.
1: Yeah, I would, I would agree. And, um, camera kind of alluded to it earlier, just, just the stuff with online now and how, um, what we're doing here, um, the idea of just doing the work and, uh, like we, I put out hockey drills for kids through my, my program, um, daily. And it's not fancy. It's not this crazy stuff. It's just like, here's the drill, do the work, put it in and let's get better. And at the end of the day, you can tell that you're getting better. And so I would agree with you on that. And then, um, there's a whole nother side of that, right? Like there's the coaches side. And now that, um, obviously you, you haven't coached at a, an NHL level, but I'm sure some days it might feel like that for you, but and now that you've coached at the youth level, is there is there any advice that you'd like to pass along just to our, our youth hockey coaches, junior hockey coaches, whoever is listening, that would help them be a better suited for that position?
3: Yeah, I think um, I always so I, I tell my boys and I for myself too. I'm like, uh, what do you think? What do you think your coach is looking for in a player? Or what do you think he wants in a player? And I go through certain things. Do you think he wants you to, you know, show up on time? Does he want you to do the drill the right way? Does he want you goofing around all the time? I mean, there's a time and place to have fun. You got to, this can't be on his time. It's got to be on your time. Um, And all these things that you do to to show your coach that you're ready and willing to play, willing to put in the work, is only going to let the coach know, hey, this kid wants to play. He's doing what I ask of him. I'm gonna work with them. I'm gonna you know put in the time because I see that he's putting in the time. I'm gonna give him some ice time, you know some extra ice time here or there and uh, you know they're going to, they're gonna take that extra time to to work with you if they see that you're interested and that you want to learn that you' that you want to get better.
0: Awesome. I think that's great advice for the coaches. I love that. Um, Patrick, as we start. Wrapping it up here, I think we've had a ton of of good content, like a ton of good questions, and uh, or not questions, but advice for a lot of the listeners. Uh, but you know, one thing that we always do is we open up uh, the on our social media on our Instagram questions when we have upcoming guests. So we had a handful of different questions. We picked a couple. Uh, so if you don't mind, we might kind of just do a little rapid fire to a couple of them for you. Sure. Um, so this one at G Morin SK asks, who's the hardest working player you've ever played against or played with and what made him stand out from the rest. And it kind of touches back to, you're talking about putting in the work and the hard work. So I think that's a, that's a good question by, by uh, a yeah. listener. Yeah, it's, it's you a, gotta
3: pick just one. Just one <laughs> tough one, tough one. <laughs> it's gonna be tough. I think uh you know, probably the both Joes that I played with here, Joe Thornton and Joe Pavelski, they both uh they put in the work ice, but they also put the work in off the ice uh in this in the summers, getting, you know, in the weight room, things like that. But also the way they they thought hockey and they were, they've been really passionate about the game for a number of years, but uh, yeah, this just thinking about it, um, you know, doing the right things in the off season, taking care of your body. Uh, and then when it comes game time, just putting it all out there. I and mean, those, those two guys probably best exemplify that. Plus it doesn't hurt to be the world's
1: best uh, at tipping pucks like he is.
3: Well, <laughs> and that's something, that's something you, I would see him working on, Daily, um, yeah. him and him and Brent Burns, uh, they would they would line pucks up and they would shoot and you know that that a lot of that just didn't happen by accident. They were working on it both of them uh, in practices and before games and things like that. That's the and
1: that's the biggest piece of advice because I mean as a, as someone watching them play hockey, you just see him tipping in goals and and celebrating out out on the on the rink, but what you don't see. And thankfully that's the beauty of social media is you, you are starting to see a little bit more of that behind the scenes stuff, but that that's huge advice to know that those two players, they're not the best at what they do by accident. They didn't just fall onto it. And so Mm -hmm. that's cool to hear that. Um, Second second question this is kind of our last question that we'll we'll toss out to you here is uh, from Corey Lieberman. Um, and this one I'm kind of interested in, buddy. He asks, is it, is it true you take off all of your pads between periods and jump in the cold tub?
3: It is true. Right? Uh, between the second and third uh, period, I'll get undressed and I'll hop in the shower and then I'll hop in the cold tub, cool the body down, and then I'll get dressed back mm-hmm. up right before the coach comes back in for his uh, speech. So I I can get... But probably about four minutes in the cold tub before I have to get out and get dressed again. So,
0: when did uh, when did uh, you start doing that? Probably about
3: eight or nine years ago. So funny story. Like when I first started, uh, I think Tony and Granada, he would get undressed and shower, and I'm I'm sitting in the locker and I, in the locker room in my stall, and I'm 18, 19 years old, and I'm like. Are you kidding me? What, is this, what, am, what am I getting myself into? There's guys getting undressed, hopping in the showers, doing stretches, doing this. You know, <laughs> and here I'm just, you know, just waiting my turn to get on the ice, you know, uh, playing third or fourth time <laughs> back then. So, but I just, uh, I don't know. must've been on, I don't know how it happened. I got into cold tubs and, you know, reading about uh, recovery and things like that. And that was one of the things, if you, your body temperature's cooler, your muscles fire faster i read that somewhere and i was like all right let's give it a shot and um uh, when i do it i feel like when i start the third period i feel like i'm starting the game in the first period that i'm full of energy and uh nice and ready to go
1: that's uh that's awesome i wasn't expecting that to be a true story but uh you you must have getting undressed and dressed to a science is there is there a little superstition there too like do you have a a couple superstitions in your pre-game or post-game stuff that you do
3: um, no more routine. Like I'll, I'll start getting dressed at, at around the same time, but I don't, I don't have to be at, at the exact same time. Um, I don't put my left on or right on. I probably do it without thinking, but yeah, I'm not mentally thinking, okay, left shin guard, right shin guards, I'm just getting dressed. So, um, yeah, I find if you find a routine, uh, it's pretty easy to get it Keep that routine going, but if you if it's a superstition, then that's when you get into the mind games. Personally, that's what I think. So,
0: hey, what are, so you're talking about going into the cold tubs between periods, and and that that makes me wonder. Um, what are some of the other guys you've played with between periods, routines, or you know, whether they help them focus, that's maybe something that maybe is a little on the norm or something that's a little out of the norm too that we out on the outside looking in might not realize? Um,
3: well, I think there's there's some guys like I know Scotty Hannon. He would he was a shower guy. He would get undressed and shower. He probably did it before I did. Um, uh, I think some, sometimes guys are they will go get like a piece of – if they're hungry, they'll get a piece of toast or a gels. But a lot of guys have uh, – you know either some pill uh, some kind of pills in their stall or some gummies some from fast energy um, yeah so it's it's kind of routine stuff, but uh trying to think if there's anything off the wall but no uh, cold cold pub jumping in the cold tubs pretty much takes the cake right now
1: <laughs> i think uh like uh so we I played with derek john he's the he's the son of Jay Johnson who played he okay. played for the coyotes and Uh, So it's all starting to make sense now because all of a sudden one day Derek in between a period would get all of his stuff off and go in the shower and we're like, what are you doing? And uh, I'm sure he got it from, from his dad or somebody in that coyote locker room. That was just, they did it and that was their thing. And so that's, uh, that's funny to hear that a lot of guys in the NHL are doing that.
0: Well, I think with that, I think we can start uh, closing it up here, Patrick. We really appreciate you coming on uh, the episode with us. Uh, any any final thoughts you want to leave to the the listeners, the players, parents, or coaches out there?
3: Um, I think just most important thing is what uh, whatever you're working on or or doing, trying to get better at is to make it fun. Um, don't get down on yourself. I know I I always talk to my my boys about. Uh, you know, somehow want to slam their stick if they miss miss pass or miss a shot and this and that. It's, it's not gonna help you. Just move on. You know, get better. Things didn't go right that time. Use uh, use that energy in a positive way and and keep moving forward.
0: Awesome. I love that advice. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Before we uh, before we sign off here, we 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 try to get our guests to give us a, a let's go. Can you just fire it up to sign it off here with a let's All right, go? Let's go. Let's go.
1: <laughs> Let's go. All right. Thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it.
3: All right. Thank you.
0: Huge thank you to Patrick Marlow for coming on the show. It was an honor talking to him. Um, you know, It's hard to put into words how cool it really was getting to tap into his, uh, his mindset and his experience. I think that... Uh, you know, there's a ton of takeaways from that. I think that was one of my favorite episodes, if not my very favorite episode so far on the podcast. So, uh, heater, why don't you get us rolling with the, uh, the three stars of the night, three stars. Uh, and you got my wheels turning about what my favorite
1: episode was to record. <laughs> um, and so we're all good. Right? think of that now, but that Marty Peplich one, which will be coming out after this one, I believe oh, that was the coolest conversation, but enough about him for a second. Um, three, stars third star would have to go out to the idea that this man this legend in the hockey world takes all his gear off gets in the ice bath for a few minutes and then gets in the shower gets his gear back on and he says he feels like he's starting the first period again like to me that's crazy and uh, obviously you can't do that in a youth hockey game because one there's not always a cut in between breaks or in between periods and then two is sometimes it's not that full 20 but what, what I would take away from that, if I'm a listener, is that taking care of your body is just as important as training, is just as important as doing uh, or as practicing and shooting pucks. Like taking care of your body is huge because this guy has played well above an average, more than an average career, right? Like he's got, I'd be interested to look at the average length of a hockey career.
0: Yeah, and he's and in 22 where. seasons right now, 22.
1: It's insane. So I bet the, I mean, I don't even know what the average, probably like five. So it's crazy. Uh third star goes back to when he was a kid living on the farm and talking about like that that was training. And the idea like you don't always need fancy equipment, you don't always need this or that. Like you just need to do work and you need to get better and find whatever it is and and train and 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 get better. And I love the idea, like the farm the farmhouse mentality of just of just doing the work. So those are my two big stars. Sorry, I rambled on there, coach. First star, what do you got?
0: How awesome is that? Just strap some rusty old farm equipment to your waist and run through the field or like. Just get after it. Shoot some pucks at the barn and, and see if you can knock some holes in it. I think it's awesome. Making the we should
1: start it. We should do a camp in Montana where it's just farm stuff like just that. barn hockey. We're just shooting barn pucks hockey. at hockey. Yeah.
0: Um, no, first star of the night. I think, you know, it, it, this one. Getting an opportunity, like I said, to talk with Patrick Marleau, played 22 seasons, over 1,700 games, fifth most games ever played by any player in the NHL. Multiple Olympics, captain of, of Team Canada. You know, being able to tap into his thoughts on leadership was really cool for me. And hearing, um, not only hearing about his journey, but really hearing about what his, his you know what he thinks it takes to be a, a leader. And you know, he's a you can tell talking with him. He's a he's a modest guy. You know, he. Uh, uh, From anybody, he he has more right than anybody to probably be not modest about what he's got, and he's so humble, and and he's still like one of the most effective leaders in the NHL. He's been captain of multiple teams, and you know I think that's a huge takeaway for people that the guy has accomplished so much in his life and in his hockey career, and yet he's just a down to earth, humble person who people have respect for and are following, and he's leading in the game game after game after game seventeen hundred times, and I, I think that's a huge takeaway into into you know, his, his leadership, um, you know, on and off the ice and in the locker room and, and the culture that he likes to help solidify in that locker room, whether it was with San Jose or, or Toronto or, or now with, with Pittsburgh and um, you know, wherever he might wind up after that. So I think that's a pretty cool uh, takeaway for, for players and coaches out there. Um, so yeah, that we're going to wrap that up with the, the first start of the night. I'm going to throw one, one random here. This is an extra bonus one heater. I hope this. you don't mind here that, but um, you know, I think, I think there was a really a, a good takeaway and I want to hear your opinion on this too. The takeaway that he had about, um, playing up, playing up, you know, he, he was pretty dominant and he played up on his brother's team and, and was pretty dominant then. And, you know, generally I'm not really for players playing up, but I think there's some exceptions to that that rule. And I think, you know, obviously he's an exception to that rule, but, uh, I liked hearing his rationale of why it worked for him and the individual decision-making of that process. What, was, what were your thoughts on that?
1: Uh, there are exceptions to the rule and I have yet to find a player that I know personally, and this is no nag on anyone that I've coached, but they i have a lot of players move up and play, you know, ahead whether it's in squirts, peewees, leaving early and none of their careers and i guess they're not over yet but none of them have ended up or at least they're not on the trajectory as patrick marlowe right and so that's obviously an anomaly hopefully i'm saying that does that sound right anomaly you got it or is that that board game that might be that board game monopoly um and so the idea that I, i do think it's okay to move up but the whole thing like are you getting better if you get up there and you end this season you play on the top two lines and you have a a decent season did you get better though meaning the next year if you play at that same level uh do your numbers increase does your plus minus get better does your you know does your stick handling all that stuff like are you getting better and the 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 only way to tell is is obviously through numbers or if you move up that year and then the coach the next year is like, Hey, we want you to come up here now and you keep moving up. And now all of a sudden you're playing with an older group since you were squirts, uh, because you're progressing nicely. And so there's a ton of things to, to go into play. And I'm on the, I'm on the fence of like, yeah, it's okay to move up, but you have to be getting better and, um, you have to be uh, willing to put in that extra work to stay with that group because, you know, if you go back to your same age the next year, cause they move up, if that makes sense. And then you just have to be you have to be dialed in, you have to be ready. But obviously for Patty Marlowe, it worked for him and he he does things the right way. And holy cow, like this guy, I hope he gets a Stanley Cup, because I think that's the only thing, obviously, that's keeping him from being one of the greatest to ever play this game. So totally Hopefully he goes out and gets it. Hopefully he
0: gets traded to the wild next year and they win the cup. Um, so that's where I'm at. <laughs> hey, I've got, uh, this is a funny side story. I know this is a long outro guys, but bear with me here. Cause this is worth it. After we put up that post that we, uh, we talked to Patrick Marlowe, a buddy of mine texted me who grew up in small town, Saskatchewan, really close to Marlowe. Yeah. And he said he played junior hockey, uh, not junior hockey, but like junior novice and novice. So like little kids, little kid hockey against him. And his job was to shadow Marlowe for the two games Hmm. uh, that they played against him. And he said that uh, my buddy's team won. He did his job because he held in a two game series. They won the series 22 to 21 and he held Marlowe to 15 goals not bad. <laughs> so, I thought that was hilarious where he's like, dude, I was a defensive machine. He only scored 15 goals. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I that's funny cuz we uh I forget who I was talking to. I, I don't remember who it was, but Danny Heatley played for Wisconsin and it was the same kind of thing that um when they came and played the Mavericks. I was talking to one of our coaches and he's like, "Yeah, we put one play on him the entire time. He gets off the bench, he goes and stand by him doesn't move, doesn't do anything. And he's like, we did okay against him. Uh, we lost both games six to five and Heatley had 10 goals.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like,
1: <laughs> how do you stop guys like that? It's crazy. And so Unreal. Unreal. that's a, that's so a, awesome. That's unbelievable. That's cool that he still remembers that and it shows that this stuff, you know, it's getting out there and reaching people. And so uh, thank you for all the support. If, if you would love, if you liked what you heard and, and you loved it, hit that like button. Show us some love so we can create more and more content. We have nothing but unbelievable guests in the pipeline, and so I'm excited for this, Coach. Any closing words? No, I think it
0: was uh, it was an honor to talk to Patrick Marlowe. I, I, it was a really cool experience. I think there's a lot of valuable knowledge to take away from this episode. And and like like you said, Heater, if you're liking what you're hearing, tell your uh, teammates, your fellow coaches, your parents, friends, um, subscribe and 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 share the word. So we'll uh, we'll
2: leave it with that. Let's go! And that is another episode of the Let's Go Hockey Podcast. Thank you, everybody, out there for listening to another week of the show. This was obviously a very special episode for us, and we thank Patrick Marlowe again for taking time and coming on the show and sharing his knowledge and love of the game. And as a side note from me, the only Penguins fan of the three people that run this podcast, Let's Go Pens. Thank you again, Patrick Marlowe. Appreciate it. We want to make sure we thank our sponsors. First of all, hockeywolf.com and lacrossewolf.com for all things hockey and lacrosse. We hope that you guys are using them for all of your hockey and lacrosse needs. Finally, Gelstick Sports gel sticks are the most innovative and best weighted training aids on the market for hockey lacrosse and golf they've got it all and if you haven't heard about gel sticks you need to go check them out at gelsticks.com that's g-e-l-s-t-x.com get yourself a weighted training aid and maximize your next training session with a gel sticks Right now, we've teamed up with them to offer you, our wonderful, wonderful listeners, 20% off your entire order. Go visit their website and fill up your basket with all of the training aids for any sport that your heart desires. Then use promo code LETSGO at checkout. That's L-E-T-S-G-O at checkout. Save yourself 20%, get a training product to help you maximize all of your time off the ice, on the driving range, whenever you're shooting in your backyard. Hockey, lacrosse, golf, they've got it all. So go to gelsticks.com today and let them know that we sent you by using the promo code, let's go. So thank you so much to Gelsticks and thank you, the listener. You know, we love you and we couldn't do this without you and we'll see you next time.